J right in your face. Welcome back to episode number 15 of season two of the Fadeaway Podcast. Episode number Vince Carter. Vince Carter. VC. Who's that? Who's this 15? Uh, Raptors history. Amir Johnson. Amir Johnson. Amir Johnson. <laughs> was good. Did Greg Monroe wear 15 for? No, I don't think I he hope did. Not. But I don't really care. But whatever. We we forgot about Greg Monroe days. <laughs> Welcome <laughs> back to the podcast, ladies and gentlemen. I'm your host, Fatty, alongside me today. You ready? Zadie and Lillard, how you doing, oh, buddy? Oh, that's a good one, actually. Nice, <laughs> <laughs> very fitting, man. I'm yeah, good. it's fitting for for the podcast that we're about to have. Um, how you doing, man? I'm good, bro. Good weekend. We had we had a, we went to the 905 game. Yeah, shout out to game Saturday. Coach Umi and Michaela for for making that happen, and Fetty Camel for yeah hooking it up, hooking it up courtside. Um, but that was just a li- different level of basketball. It was interesting to see. Yeah, and it, especially when we sat courtside, it was just a up close yeah i uh, i was lucky enough to get to actually shake terrence davis's hand yeah. have share a couple words with him he's pretty he's pretty cool guy and then yeah. goes on and has a career high so i'm not going to take full credit for it i mean you touched his hand you probably but i'm gonna say partial credit hand. yeah partial credit for sure uh so let's let's dive right into let's it man into we got it. a we got a super super cool guest on the podcast today um honestly Super excited to have him on. We were talking a little bit the last couple of days, uh, but just excited to hear what he has to say about everything. Mr. William Liu, lead Raptors reporter for Yahoo Canada, Yahoo Sports Canada. How you doing, man? What's good? Thanks for uh, having me on. Man. Oh, it's our pleasure, man. It's our pleasure. Um, so, yeah, like we were just having a conversation the last couple of days. We want to uh, go back and forth with you, you know, pick your brain a little bit. Obviously, I follow some of your content. Um You've been writing. You great writer for the Raptors as well, and I just want to hear what you have to say about everything else going on in the league. Uh, so let's uh, let's get right into it, man. First things first. Uh, how you feeling about these uh, these Raptors these days? I don't know how you can feel anything other than good, to be honest. Like they're, uh, I mean, this whole season is supposed to be kind of gravy, right? Like you're just you follow up the championship, you make another run with it. Obviously, no Kawhi. Is uh is a bummer, and it's, they probably fall short because they don't have a Kawhi. But damn, like this is as good as it gets, really. Um, I mean, eleven game win streak. They're at the exact same record now through fifty yeah. games as they were with Kawhi last year. And obviously, Kawhi, you know, uh, we celebrate him more for the uh, playoff contributions than the regular season. But still, that's kind of amazing when you think about it, right? Like, you know, Cleveland loses LeBron and they're like trash, <laughs> and like. Golden State, they got a bunch of injuries. They, they don't have, you know, most of their stars, yeah. and they're garbage. Um, and th- that's, you know, generally, even the Spurs, like, when they lost Kawhi, they went from a team that won, like, 60 games mm-hmm. to, like, you know, barely getting to 48, 45 right. wins. And and that's with, you know, getting something back in the Rosen for Kawhi, along with Yaka Proto. So for the Raptors to still be in this position, it's it's amazing. Amazing. You can't feel anything other than just good about the team. And they, they won 11 straight. The uh, Trade deadline's coming up. They're, they're going to be buyers if they do do anything. So things are good, man. So I actually want to ask about that. You, you said they're going to be buyers, and Fatty and I have talked about this um, in the past and trying to think, you know, who would we be buying? Who who are we looking into? Who are the Raptors trying to find? So what can you kind of share around that? What, what do the Raptors maybe need in your opinion, and what would they be looking for at the trade deadline? Uh, you know, it's... It's a situation where I think you want to get that like clear cut star, that superstar um, that can sort of you know uh, take you as deep as you want in the playoffs. I mean, you know, it's it's not a that's not a it's not a surprise. Mm-hmm. Obviously, you know, they they lost one of those, but 
at the same time, none of those guys are available at this trade deadline, at least not to my knowledge. Uh, when you, when you think about even guys like Drew Holiday or, um, you know, Kevin Love or like CJ McCollum or these kind of, these kind of ideas, they're not even necessarily the kind of pieces that put you over the top. I think realistically, if you look at the Raptors, they have a defined top seven. Mm-hmm. Uh, those top seven have all been hurt at some point, but generally speaking, you're pretty confident in that top seven that, you know, you're bringing back pieces from the championship rotation. Um, and really it's just, it's, it's about finding a guy that would, would fit and not only crack the top seven, but, um, you know, be a good fit because like if you think about it, or defensively, this team is second in the NBA. They have a very high standard for defense. Yeah. You can't just go out there and get a guy like, uh, you know, I've heard people like, you know, Bielitsa from the, from the yeah. King Kings, and it's like, all right, fine. Is he is he going to play Nick Nurse defense? Because <laughs> if not, then Nick Nurse is going to is going to slander this man to the media. Uh, he's not going to get minutes. Yeah. McCaw's going to play over him, and it's like, you know, yeah. So it's 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 a tough situation because you you don't want to give up that much for it, and it's also kind of a development year in the sense where you want to give these guys a chance. You know, what I mean, I want to see what Pascal looks like as the number one guy. Is he going to fail? Maybe there's a real chance of that because you know this is his first year doing it, but you got to give him that chance because that's how you develop guys. You give people chances. You know, you want to give OG a chance to be um, a starter on a, a playoff team that may go deep. You, you give you know Norm a chance to really be the impact guy, Fred to be a starter in the playoffs. So um, yeah, I mean, I know I'm, I'm I'm not really giving you real names yeah. or real reports or anything like that, but I I, I really do think that uh, you know they're in a good spot, and, and if they do buy, like I mentioned, you know. Probably not going to be that significant of a yeah. buy. And actually, you made a pretty great point there, and that's something that kind of haunts me whenever I think of possible uh, trade targets. Is is this individual going to play Nick Nurse defense? Because at the end of the day, we know that in this rotation for this coach for this system, that is going to have to be the answer. You can score thirty points on offense all you want, but if you don't play that Nick Nurse defense, you're going to essentially throw off the entire system. So mm-hmm. it's it's a challenge to have to find that person who is primarily going to fit in that system and then secondarily can contribute to the team uh, in a way that the team needs. I think personally the the biggest thing that stands out to me is defensive rebounding, but then you think about getting a big man and how mobile and agile they're going to have to be to fit into that system. You see obviously the success of Marcus All, Serge Ibaka, but there's not many centers in the league that are like that. You know what I mean? So it's 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 definitely tough there and I actually want to talk about something that you posted today on uh on Twitter William. It was like a little screenshot of, of NBA.com of the last 11 games. Uh, and then you talk about the top seven earlier. There's seven guys averaging double-digit scoring in this 11-game winning streak. Yeah. Four of them are shooting over 40%, or five of them, rather, are shooting over 40% from three. So that's – talk about a balance and equal scoring and not having to rely on one guy like maybe last year you would have had to do with a Kawhi. I just enjoy the team and, and the way they're developing – uh, but do you see this perhaps slowing down at all come playoff time? Yeah, I mean, I think realistically, uh, things just slow down in the playoff time, playoff time anyway, because you're generally speaking playing better teams. Like you're, over this 11 game win streak, they've been two teams over 500. Yeah. Um, you know, it's it's not going to be that quality of caliber when you go to the playoffs. But I also do think that, like um, in general, I think it just teams are better scouted. I think um, one of the things the Raptors do have an advantage on other teams is that. They're really well coached and they, they're a really diverse team in terms of what they run. Like, um, if you watch the Raptors versus you watch another team in the NBA, a lot of other teams in the NBA just have like a very general basic strategy. Like, um, like you've watched Houston for Houston's an extreme version, but it's like, 
you know, you're, you're playing one-on-one basketball and then they're going to switch everything on defense. Yeah. And it's like, all right, you can, you know what they're going to do. Whereas with the Raptors, they, they run a lot of plays. Um, they, they have a lot of different styles of play. Um, they can play fast, they can play slow. And then of course they play multiple styles of defense and they get so much op- uh, op- uh, offense off their defense. I think that's the part that probably the Raptors can still sustain. But I think offensively, in terms of just a ha- as a half court team, I'm going to be completely honest about it. The Raptors don't have like top end scoring talent, uh, beyond uh, Pascal, sometimes Kyle and sometimes Fred and sometimes Norm actually. Norm's really cracked that group. Um, but you know, if you just took it like elite half court production, and when I mean elite half court production, I mean like fourth quarter, like four minutes left, the Raptors down to game slow down. Nobody's, you know, running in transition anymore. Uh, and you have that Kawhi kind of type who can hand on the ball, who can create for himself, who can create for others, knows what to do, what to do with the double team. Pascal's getting there for sure, but, uh, we need to actually see him get there by the time the playoffs come. Definitely. Well, I want to piggyback off of that, that comment you made about, the Raptors running different offenses. If you look down the 11-game win streak, it's maybe four different, four or five different guys that have had game highs throughout those 11 games. You have Powell, Van Vliet, Lowry, Siakam, Ibaka, and Davis had 31, TV, yeah. had 31 last night. So you look at it, and, and when, you, when you say the playoffs, everything slows down. This is where I kind of have trouble because in the playoffs, you kind of run plays for a specific guy. So right now, when we run those different offenses, and obviously we've been... The Raptors have been injured, and there's been people in and out of the lineup. So we have, so the Raptors have had different contributors. But how do you kind of, you know, assert a certain role for specific players in, in the playoffs, especially when they're kind of used to taking ten shots, maybe eleven shots, and maybe having to go down to five or six shots? Is that just maybe nurse coaching and, and coming back to reality, essentially saying this is the playoffs, this is the roles you're going to have, and this is how we're going to play? Um, not necessarily. To be honest, I don't actually anticipate that big of a role change for a lot of guys come time for the playoffs. I, I think Nick is pretty set in terms of who the top seven is going to be. I don't think there's going to be any surprises there. There might be a different eighth man on a night-to-night basis, but you're probably you're pretty much looking at an eight to nine man rotation um, for uh, most of the playoffs. And I, and I think actually most of the guys are pretty again like I think they're in their roles. I think they know generally speaking what they're running, and it's just sort of uh, a matter of. Are you going to catch teams by surprise after after timeouts? Because you know the uh, teams are going to know what plays you like to run, and they're going to really drill it into you. And by the time you're playing the team for like four straight times, you probably know that Nick Nurse is going to go to uh, Fred VanVleet in the corner behind the screen for a three. Like they're going to figure some of that stuff out, and you got to you know just have that sort of raw talent to create. And really, it's not anything the Raptors can necessarily do about that. Necessarily, it's just they need some of their guys. To- as to uh, develop into more reliable half-court contributors. But, uh, yeah, I don't know. I, it's, it's hard to say in terms of what the offensive fall drop-off would be. I mean, right now they're 13th in the NBA in offensive rating. Obviously, injuries have sort of made that uh, yeah. the case. They, they really should be better than that. Um, but, you know, if, if something does bother the Raptors come time for the playoffs, it's probably going to yeah. be that offense. Now, before we move on from the Raptors, I just want to ask you one thing. Um, when did you become a Raptors fan, and when did you fall in love with the Raptors basketball? It was a weird time. It was, I think it was like 2004, 2005 ish. That time, like I'm 27, so that was like when I was like, uh, you know, around yeah. 10 years old, yeah. I guess, 11 years old. That was the year Vince was like uh, pretending he had yeah, every yeah, injury yeah, in yeah, the yeah, book. Yeah. The year Vince was like a hypochondriac, <laughs> and he's like, I can't. My back, my back hurts every game. 
and I won't dunk anymore. I can't, I won't <laughs> dunk anymore. So that, that was the year I started following the team. I, I don't really know why. It was like, um, you know, you, you, I was in middle school and I'm like, it, I just remember like the thing at the time was you had to choose whether you were a Leafs fan <laughs> yeah, or yeah, Raptors right. fan. And I was like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going here. I'm going so this like, way. Yeah, exactly. Okay. So that was cool. it. And uh, how did you find your way into your current position with Yahoo uh, covering the Raptors? That's like a, it's a dream come yeah, true yeah. for every Toronto Raptors fan. Yeah, no doubt, man. No doubt. I'm, I'm really blessed to have that. Um, you know, I, I think, uh, I think, you know, everybody in that media room that I end up seeing kind of on a nightly basis now, they all have very different paths to how they got there. So there's not really like one unique thing for me. Um, uh, I was writing at Raptors Republic just as like a, like a fan, you know, I was interested. I, I felt like, honestly, I, I was so obsessed with basketball and I was like, this is taking up too much time. And when I was in university, I was like very focused on what are you going to do as an yeah. adult? And I figured if this is going to be such a big hobby for me, I should uh, at least be something like somewhat productive with it. So I started writing about it at Rapsa Public and sort of like caught on a little bit from there. Uh, that, that allowed me to get uh, close to Blake Murphy uh, who's one of the nicest guys in the business. Uh, Blake at the time was working at the score and he told me there was an opportunity at the score where there was like a opening for an NBA editor position. And so that was right when I was coming out of school. Um, last year in university, I was actually uh, working at the score in Toronto, but going to school in Hamilton McMaster and also writing for the school paper there. So I basically was just trying to make the most of this sort of like writing idea. And I didn't know if I was going to do it long term, but uh, it just sort of caught on, uh, you know, it, uh, it just grew in popularity. And I think, you know, I started to do some podcasting as well. And between the writing of the, the podcasting and sort of just that steady climb, it got to a point where, uh, you know, last year, Yahoo was looking for somebody to cover the Raptors because they had a good sense that the Raptors are going to be pretty uh, good in the, in the playoffs. And they might, they might need somebody to, you know, cover the team that's yeah. going to win the NBA finals. And, uh, they approached me awesome. and, uh, yeah, I was like, I was like, you know, this is this is a dream opportunity. I'm going to take it, and I'm, I'm basically trying to make the most of it now. So that that's the, that's really the, the the whole story. I mean, most of it is just honestly, I, I tweeted a lot, I wrote a lot, I podcasted a lot, and at some point, someone was like, we we think we can monetize all of this if you come under our brand, and I was like, perfect. That's sounds that's the story. dope, man. All right, so let's uh, let's let's pivot. So I I sent you earlier we were going to talk about the all-star starters and the sorry the reserves rather uh, just because there were some questionable mm. selections or I guess a lack thereof. Um so we'll start with Zade. I just want to hear from you. So in the East, uh the chosen ones are Ben Simmons, Kyle Lowry, Jimmy Butler, Bam Adebayo, DeMontis Sabonis, Chris Middleton, Jason Tatum. Okay? okay so man. the main I guess Eastern Conference snub that everybody's talking about is Mr. Bradley Beal. Bradley. I know some are saying Jalen Brown as well, which is a fair point. Yeah, honestly. Uh, but let's talk about Bradley Beal. Where do you stand on the whole Bradley Beal thing? Do you understand it? Do you think he got snubbed? Where are you on this, Aid? This is the thing. It's always come. It always comes down to the same thing every year because somebody on a losing team who puts up numbers gets snubbed, for the most part at least. And so it, the, 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 the debate becomes, do you choose... Do you factor in winning? Do you not factor in winning? How does that work? The East has Trey Young as a star, all-star starter. He's yeah. putting up st- stupid numbers, but he's also not winning games. So how does that happen? 
but then that's also fan voting in there as well, and he's yeah. an exciting player. So there's, there's got to be a good mix. I mean, I'm not mad at the people who made the the Eastern Conference All-Star Reserves. I mean, Jimmy Butler, he's not having the greatest season, season statistically, but the impact he's had on the Heat, and you already know he plays like an All-Star, so he's kind of a, a Sherlock uh, a Sherlock into the All-Star Reserves. You have Ben Simmons, who's been playing like an All-Star. Kyle Lowry, who I'm actually glad that they chose this year. I thought he... He was going to be snubbed this year, possibly. Yeah. But he's been playing amazing. Like he's been he's been leading that team so well. Chris Middleton made it great. I mean, no complaints. Uh, Demontes Sabonis. He's been playing like an all star for maybe two years now. He's been yeah. playing very well for the last couple of years. So I'm actually excited that he made it. Jason Tatum. I actually wanted Jalen Brown to make it as well. And obviously, I don't really know who I would take out and for in order for Jalen Brown to make it. It would have to be a debate between Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum. Jason Tatum. That's yeah. that's the only person I I think is expendable on the East All Stars in order to get so you Jalen Brown. You wouldn't want to see Beal like particularly specifically. In there. I'm not mad. I I, I wouldn't want to see Beal. I mean, his game is just it's pure scoring. You I mean, all these guys can score, right? It's like there's nothing. Yeah. He's not like overly athletic that he's gonna wow me in the All Star game. He's not. He doesn't have something different that'll wow me in the yeah. All Star game. Yeah. And then lastly, Bam Adebayo, who I'm huge on. Who's been playing amazing this season? I can't complain at all about these about the yeah. All Star reserves. How about you, William? Where do you stand on this one? Yeah, I mean, I, I think it's not that big of a surprise. I mean, Bradley Beal, in terms of talent, is definitely an All Star caliber player. He's been an All Star in the past. Um, but you know, I don't know, man. You play for the Wizards. Like the Wizards are a joke. Nobody <laughs> yeah. takes that team seriously. Um, they give up 150 points yeah. in regulation. Like. Multiple, multiple times. 20. Like, how do you, how, how do, you, yeah. how does that even happen? You know what I mean? Like, uh, how, it, you just, you gotta have some pride at some point. I mean, like, I sure you could point to someone like Trey Young, who got voted into the game, but, you know, whatever. That's half a fan vote. Yeah. That's half player vote. That's half media vote. Like, you know, it's that one is a little bit tougher. But for coaches, coaches, we know coaches value winning. Coaches really value winning. Coaches value. Um, you know, things like what Kyle Lowry does, for example, where you take charges, you're always in the right place defensively. Um, you know, you are making the right passes, set up your teammate, unselfish. Um, you know, you, you, you really study the playbook. Uh, you know, you, you, you take the scouting report really seriously and you make heads yeah. up plays. Like that's, that's what stands with coaches, not like the fact that Bradley Bill can put up 38 <laughs> points on a loss. Like, um, it, it's, it's unfortunate, but I mean, it's pretty clear. If, if the Wizards even were even 500, um, with, this current season that Bradley's having, they would uh, it, Bradley Beal would probably be a starter in, in the game, but with his numbers, but he's not because his numbers are kind of coming yeah. in meaningless games, and um, that's just it. I mean, you know, honestly, I could see a case for like if you want to put him in over like a like a Ben Simmons. Honestly, like, <laughs> I, I mean, it's not even like I'm trying to, to hate on Ben Simmons. <laughs> I'm just saying, like, you know, I, I could see the case there just because. Philly is not really played like a team that necessarily deserves two yeah. All Stars, yeah. and B's obviously already gotten in with the starters. Um, if you look at uh, Indiana, for example, they have a, a record. I think they might actually be above Philly right now. So if we're just looking on winning, Indiana has yeah. one All Star in the game in Sabonis, and why does so why does yeah. Philly get two? And I don't think you know Simmons has had great moments, but you know so has Bradley Beal. But ultimately, I, I'm not that mad about it. It is what it is. You, it, you know, people like winning. The point of the game is to win. That's besides. Okay, this. yeah, no, absolutely. And the one thing I want to say about Bradley before we move to the West is, okay, his points per game is really flashy twenty eight point eight, just under twenty nine points a game. Um, he is actually 
a minus 6.9 net rating on the team. I think that's like bottom five on the team. He's the second worst defensive <laughs> rating on the team. The only worse defender than him is Rui, the rookie. Nice. Uh, he's shooting 30. Yeah, he's shooting Jeez. 32%. Wait, so that means. <laughs> That means he's worse. Yeah, no, legitimately, yeah. he is has a worse defensive rating <laughs> than Isaiah Thomas. Absolutely. Don't they have Ish Smith too, or something like another small guy? They have some pretty small guards there too. You know what I mean? And then obviously his three point percentage is down to thirty two percent. This is the fourth straight year he's declined. He went from forty to thirty eight to thirty five to thirty two. And on top of that, his three point attempts are increasing. Yeah. Okay, so like just under forty percent of his attempts are three. So almost every other shot. He's taking his a three. He's converting at thirty-two point percent. Still putting up twenty-nine points a game. The only thing that this tells me is he's taking a crap Volume. ton of shots. You know, Volume. he's taking a crap ton of shots. He's on a losing team. I'm not upset about it. What I am upset about, what I am upset about, is Devin Booker in the Western Conference. Only because of certain yeah. guys that were selected over him, and it's just it mm. blows my mind. So Devin Booker, twenty-seven. Uh, just under 27 and a half points a game, uh, 51% shooting. He's his career best in net rating, career best in plus minus. Obviously, plus minus doesn't tell the whole story, yeah. but it's just he's moving in that right direction. Phoenix is not a bad team. They're just in a tough conference, eight and one out for 25 games. So there's a lot of rotations. They lost a couple of guys to, to injury, so it's been inconsistent. But Devin Booker is putting up numbers. And then you give me a guy like. Chris Paul. Okay, let's open this discussion because for me, Chris Paul is not an all-star. Well, the, the West All-Star reserves are Nikola Jokic, Dame Lillard, Donovan Mitchell, Rudy Gobert, Chris Paul, B.I., and Russell Westbrook. So go ahead with Chris Paul. Yeah, I was getting too too riled up. Yeah. Forgot to mention the reserves. <laughs> but yeah, I to me, Chris Paul is not an all-star. He's putting up 17 points a game, five rebounds, six assists. He's the fourth highest scorer on the team behind Shea, Gallo, and Dennis Schroeder. Okay, he's the fourth highest in usage rate on the team, meaning there's three other guys putting in way more work on this team that's winning games. But everyone's you know, going to tell me about his leadership and what he's done. Okay, he's a great leader. But it, based on that logic, why isn't Udonis Haslam in, in the All-Star game? <laughs> that guy is the <laughs> greatest on, leader man. in Congress history. Man. Come you know, on, man. Give him an honorary. Give him an honorary one. Get, let's give let's give Marcus All. Let's give Marcus All the All-Star <laughs> nod because he's a leader on defense. And he's, he's doing really well to pivot the defense. I mean, Chris Paul is a great player. And he's had a great career. But... To tell me that Devin Booker and the season that he's having yeah. is not going to become an all-star, but this guy who's fourth best at everything on his team except for being a leader is going to become an all-star. It's like obviously Chris Paul, I'm not going to sit here and say he – like I know the business. I know basketball. I know the NBPA. NBPA president, I know his bro, everything. I know his connections. I'm just upset about that. And, you know, him aside, I'd even go Devin Booker over Donovan Mitchell. Yeah, Donovan Mitchell's that. had a bit of a forgettable yep. season. I mean, yeah. Utah, when I think Utah mm-hmm. right now, I'm thinking, to be very honest with you, Boyan Bogdanovich, I'm thinking Rudy Gobert. Okay. I'm thinking Joe Ingles shooting 50% from the three-point line in the last couple of months. There's a lot of things there in Utah that come before Donovan Mitchell. Yeah. And he gets selected and goes on and goes one for 11 the same night. So it's like this is a, a huge indication of the season that he's had so up and down. And when he's cold, he's really cold. But that's where I stand right now. I think Devin Booker got snubbed. I'm not big on the Bradley Beal thing. I know he's not winning games at all. But Phoenix, they're competing. They they'd have a bad streak, but they had a strong start. They're playing okay. It's just a tough race in the West. And I think Devin Booker should definitely uh, be an all-star. I don't know about you guys. Will, what do you think? Yeah, I mean, I agree with you. First off, people don't talk about the fact that 
Booker's shooting 51% from the field as a shooting guard. Number one option, creates most of his own offense. Like, that's that's impressive stuff. Um, and, you know, to be honest, I wouldn't necessarily go at Chris Paul. I do feel like you got to pick one player from OKC. They're like 10 games above on 500 right now. Uh, completely just like exceeding expectations. But at the same time, you know, I, I do I do see your point because, you know, his production alongside Shea, even alongside a guy like Schroeder, Schroeder's been really awesome Definitely. for them this year. Um, the separation between the three of them is, is not that high. And it's let alone you throw in, you know, Gallinari. But at least for Chris Paul, for me, like he is their closer. He does take a lot of their shots in crunch time, and he's been like really good at doing that. And also, he's just that's a reputational thing with Chris Paul as well. As well, like you know, it, it's fine. I, it, it, honestly, if I'm, I'm going to be happy with Kyle Lowry going to the All Star game, I feel like Chris Paul, to be honest, is is basically just ringless Chris uh, Kyle Lowry at this wow. point. Um, so I'm not too I'm not too mad at it. the guy. I'm more concerned about is Brandon Ingram. Like, you know, even though I like Brandon Ingram's game, he's definitely taking a yeah. big leap this year. But if you're if you're giving me the choice. The choice between Brandon Ingram or Devin Booker this year. I think Booker's had a better year for a team that's just, to me, is better, even though in the sense that, like, I, I think Phoenix has competed with less talent. Like, you look at the number of pieces around, um, you know, what Ingram has had to deal with. I think, you know, uh, Booker has had a more efficient year. I think Booker's probably the more well-rounded offensive Definitely. kind of player, too. I, I do find a little bit with, with Ingram that he can be shut down at times. Uh, whereas Booker, I do feel like has this sort of unstoppable quality to him. He definitely has a determination to keep scoring, even though it's not his night sometimes. Um, and, and yeah, to be honest, between the two of those, that's probably the biggest stump for me is, is that, or even if you look at a player like Westbrook, who, you know, to start the year, he was just like abysmal. And if you look at his on-off numbers, it, they're, they're not necessarily that great. He's great. He's come on stronger of late. Um, but you know, I, I do feel bad for Devin Booker. That one I really do feel bad for because I, I also really like watching the Suns. And I really do think what he's done with the Suns this year is, is really impressive, even though the fact that they're still nine games under 500 or whatever, uh, it's not his fault whatsoever. He's re- he's been really good and, this and year. And that's where the inconsistency, inconsistency actually lies because you talk about B.I., this is his first glimpse of being the number one guy, the first glimpse of being the number one option, the offensive option on a team, and yet he has the same record as D-Book and the Suns. And D-Book has been balling out the way he's been balling out for the last two, three years, yeah. right? So it's like, so this is where the where you ask, is it about winning games? Is it about balling out and putting up numbers? What is it about? So B.I., I think, got it a bit prematurely. I, I, I think it's the, it's between the yep. trio of Chris Paul, just because he's not putting up the all-star-like numbers this year. He hasn't really been doing that for the last couple seasons. So, But then, y'all obviously, you know mm-hmm. the hookups and the NBPA president and his, his reputation. That's fine. We'll put that aside. <laughs> Look at Bi. Bi hasn't done anything that you know Booker hasn't done, and Booker hasn't been doing it for three years, exactly. right? And so you look, and also Booker's look at the talent around Booker, yeah. man. It's it's yeah. not that great. Like this year, I was like, Aaron Baines, what a great <laughs> signing for them. He's actually, he's actually been pretty good yeah. for them defensively. Uh, offensively, was shooting hot to start the year, and I'm like Dario Saric or like Ricky Rubio, and it's like realistically. Like, come on, that that team is the yeah. talent around him is not necessarily there, and they've had to deal with injuries. And obviously, you know what's his name, uh, the number one pick just got DeAndre, himself suspended DeAndre. for twenty five games, and so he was out. Yeah, he was out for most of the year as well. So you, you compare that to to Brandon again. I'm not trying to gas up what the Pelicans have in terms of talent, but like they do have more tangible pieces, and I do feel like the Pelicans when I watch them always, they're just like running and shooting the yeah. first shot possible. There's a lot of pace in their game, and you know it's not like Phoenix plays slow, but I do feel like. 
at least with Ingram, they're a little bit inflated yeah. by just playing a faster pace. Yeah, and to numbers. your point, too, about talent, like they have Lonzo Ball on the team. They have Drew Holiday on the team. They have J.J. Redick on the team, Derek Favors. Like These are all yeah. competent basketball players, and they're better talent than what Phoenix has. And on top of all this, like I, like you were saying, like the, the talent in Phoenix is not that good. Like Kelly Oubre is like your – bro. The, do you remember when exactly. Kelly Oubre was smelly poo Yeah. Like, come on, let's <laughs> never forget when he played for the Wizards. For the Wizards, yeah. And he was talking all that trash. <laughs> yeah. And so Redditor called him Smelly Poo Brain. Yeah. It just it, it, it went viral, you know? Like, And now and now he's, like, your viable second option. And, I, and it's, it's, it's not only the players, the coaching. D-Book has had a different coach, I think, maybe every year of his career. If, if, if not, maybe he missed one year. Yeah. Career, we had the same – he had some continuity. He had the same coach. B.I. just got a better opportunity. Right, and then you know, co- mm-hmm. made, coach made him the focal point, and, yeah, and and then they're rolling with it. But Booker's been balling up for years, so I just don't see why he keeps on getting shafted like that. It's crazy. Yeah, and to that point too, I mean, it kind of opens up the discussion of Alvin Gentry being slightly overrated, uh, because Is as well as no, but Will was just even saying to the point of. When you watch them play, they're not playing organized basketball. Yeah, they they don't, don't look like a team. They have a lot of talent, and I think they should be a lot better than what they are right now. Even with Zion missing all those games and Brandon playing the way that he's playing, they should have uh, won a little bit more games than that. But let's move over to Dame. Dame Dalla, man. Dame Dalla has been going bonkers the last couple couple of weeks, I'd say over the last six games. Exactly, uh, yeah. So do you want to walk us through that? I mean uh, – pretty what's he averaging over the last day do you have it 48.8 points per game over the last six games includes 48 47 36 and then a 50 point uh, outing i think the 50 point outing was the fourth actually of this season yeah so he's just been putting up stupid numbers for a bit cd mccollum was out so he had to carry for a long while but now cd's back and he's still putting up those numbers which is crazy and i think the one thing that we need to make sure that we don't miss is that during that span, he's actually averaging 10.2 assists a game. So not only is he providing the offensive spark, logo Lillard, shooting from literally shooting from the logo. Yeah, which on is, pull-ups. Which is wild. He's, he's, I think he's the only player shooting above like 45%, 45% from beyond 33 feet, I believe yes, it is, yes. which is insane when you think about it. He's been shooting more of those and making more of those this year. Um, but he's also facilitating for his team. He's getting guys involved. He also doesn't have the greatest supporting cast around him. They have a decent team, I guess, that maybe may be able to sneak to the eight, seven, eight spot. I think it is. Yeah. Um, but he's making the most of out of what he's got. Ten point two assists a game isn't bad. And then you look at, I think there's this stat here: most points over six games in the last twenty seasons. Number one, James Harden at two ninety nine. Number two, the late Kobe Bryant, 293. Yeah. And then you have him right there at 293, tied with Kobe Bryant. Yeah. So that's some pretty good company to be with. Yeah. And he just, he's just been balling. Like he's and just he broke the record for most threes made in a six-game span, right? He had 49. 49. Yeah, 49. 49. And then he became the first player in NBA history uh, to average uh, 45 and 10. <laughs> it's better than 45 and 10 in a six-game streak. So I don't know what's going on Bro. with him. He went just bonkers right after his game in Golden State where he had 61. <laughs> It's just been every game has been above 47 points minus the one game he had his first career triple-double, 36, 11, and 10, I think. Um, Will, I want to ask you about Dame because Dame has been – Dame is one of probably the most underrated yet rated. correctly rated yeah. <laughs> stars in modern-day NBA mm-hmm. just because, yes, we all know the, the ability that Dame has. We all know that he's electric. He can shoot. He can score the ball. He does everything really, really well. But there's a certain level past which he can't get, and that's 
like the second round, mid second round. Like last year, I, I know that he went up against Golden State with KD and all that, but last year I felt he had a great opportunity to make that name. KD was out for that whole series, and they ended up getting swept. So, do we see Damian Lillard converting this into playoff success, or do you think he's still about a step away from that? I do think he's still a step away from that, to be honest. Um, you know, it, it's it's funny when we rate some of these guys because if you got to be the number one guy, then you just put on a totally different like um, standard than as everyone else. And like last year, Portland made it to um, the conference finals, and of course they got they got swept, which is not ideal. But you know, it, it almost reminds me a little bit of like Lowry and DeRozan in those years where. I mean, don't get me wrong. I think Lillard is, uh, especially now, is better than uh, you know Kyle ever was or yeah, Demar sure. ever was. Um, but you know, as the number one guy on that team, you, like it's just so hard to get past that hurdle. Um, it's the same thing that Chris Paul went through as well. It's just it, it's it's really tough, especially when you're a smaller guard too. The games get really physical in the playoffs. Um, and, but you know, it's just a tough standard for Dame, just because you know I think he's he's taking the money. He's he's signed one of the biggest deals in NBA history. Um, he's he stayed in Portland, got drafted by Portland. Like this is just his path, and I think it's okay. Like you know what I mean. Like sometimes it's it's not even necessarily about um, you know whether or not you win the ring. You know it, it's sort of can you make the most of your situation. I think he's definitely made the most of the situation. Like I used to not honestly to be honest, I used to find him a little bit corny. Um, There's just something about him where I was like. The way people talked yeah. about him, it was like they gassed him a little bit too much, and I was like, okay, you know, whatever. But now, like this, this past season, I really respected him. There was a there was a post game interview he did um, after the uh, so so they 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 they, they ruined the yeah, Kobe tribute yeah. night, um, and and then the night after they played it back to back. They yeah, played 51. in Utah, and they they gave them fifty one. And after the game, you know, he was he was interviewed, and, and he was talking about how look, man. I, at a certain point, I just saw the season, you know, we were losing and I knew what I had to do. And he just took over. He took ownership of that team. And, of course, you know, he's not going to score 50 points the rest of the way. That's ridiculous. But at the same time, like, um, that's really cool. I really respect that. You know, he manned up. He took responsibility of the team. And he sort of led the team. And I think the rest of the team has fallen in place behind him. Like, if you think about it, he's made Hassan Whiteside into, like, a good player. Like, like a good, yeah. productive player. Obviously, within the context of the system. Um, but like I've been watching a lot of these games because I actually have Hassan on my fantasy team. But like you know, he's actually because of the way he's playing, because of how aggressive he is, he's getting on these guys' good looks. Um, the Blazers uh, have put at least a couple of like semi decent pieces. I feel like Melo's working out for them. Not great, but still, he, he's better than freaking Hazonia or whoever <laughs> they were playing, like Kent Bazemore. Um, and then even Ariza has been pretty yep. nice yeah, for them too. Um, so have they lost since picking him up? You know, I, I, I think I'm, they went four and zero since picking him up. I could be wrong. Yeah, I mean, James I think that's James is scoring. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the haters, the haters will game, say but, that, but I got Trev, man. I got that's my guy, Trev. He's putting in the work. That's your guy. That's your guy. No, but all right. We found the world's first Trevor, uh, Trevor Reese right Oh man, no, I I like what he brings to the table. I think he does add that chippiness to their defense. Uh, I'm not gonna obviously say that. He's attributing to their wins when Dame is going crazy on offense, but I do definitely like what he brings to their table and adding that defensive intensity, especially if they can squeeze into the playoffs. Come playoff time, Trevor Ariza is going to be a very, very handy player. He's made the run. Uh, he's 
he's tested and he's a great defender. Like mm-hmm. I'm thinking, if they go one eight, get in there, go against the Lakers. The Lakers are a very top heavy team. Man. You got a game, and they don't have anyone that yeah. guards point guards. You, you got a game plan for two guys, right? AD and LeBron, and then the rest can kind of get theirs, but you can monitor the rest of them. But if you have a guy like Trevor Ariza, mm-hmm. there's no question who he's going to guard. He's going to get put on LeBron, and yeah, I'm not going to yeah. say he's going to stop LeBron, but he's definitely going to disrupt LeBron, make him uncomfortable. And like you said, they can't defend a point guard. So even guys like CJ can come in and get theirs. And So it'll be interesting. If they can squeeze into the playoffs, it might be a nightmare matchup for the Lakers in that 1-8 spot. Let's talk about trade talk. So the rumors are that the Houston Rockets are shopping Clint Capella. Seems like the, the suitors right now are, I believe, the Boston Celtics. I've heard... The Atlanta Hawks are one of the suitors as well. Um, Will, what do you think about that deal? And what do you think the Houston Rockets... I mean, they're giving away their big, which I don't really know was a good thing for them. But what do you think they should get? They, they say they're, they're looking for um, a wing player, I believe it is, right? Uh, before you get into that, they actually became... Houston became the first team to run a starting lineup of all guys under 6'6", like two days ago. Okay. <laughs> so that's, Maybe that's, that's what they want to cool. do then. That's pretty cool. But, yeah, I think they're, like, slowly transitioning into getting rid of Clint. All the bigs. Yeah. But, well, where do you think it should go, I guess? You know, I mean, I do feel like it is a bit of a strategy on their part um, because it's not the first time they've done it. Uh, but at the same time, you know, I really just do think Houston's owner, his, their Tell new me. owner, Tomo Fertitta, is just super <laughs> cheap. I don't understand how any man with two, $2 billion could act so broke. Like, for like. Every single trade they make is about shaving some money, shaving some money, shaving. Like you have James Harden and Russell Westbrook. Like maybe they're not the greatest fit, whatever. But still, like try to yeah. just win, man. Like I, I really do think part of the incentive with moving Capella is so they can get under the luxury tax. And th- that's just it's just kind of backwards. Like how are you going to buy this team for so much money and then just say like no, I don't have any more money. That's it. <laughs> like it, it, it's I've, it's I've it's crazy that. to me. Um, you know, in terms of the what they can get back, you know, I mean, sure, I guess they can try to invest in another wing. They kind of probably need a bigger wing that can sort of, um, you know, defend fours, you know, be a, a positive factor on the glass. Uh, you know, I, they've been linked to pretty much a lot of guys. I mean, that's the thing with Houston, though. That's their MO. They put out, like, you know, all these rumors. They leak to the media all the time. Yeah. They like to make a lot of noise. But at the end of the day, what do they really do? And that's why it's funny when you see a team like Houston try to trade with a team like Boston, or at least in, in the media, that's sort of what's being reported. Because yeah. it's like, these are the two teams that are the biggest teases in the NBA. <laughs> they always say they're they're going to do something, and then they never do yeah. it. So I, I'm, I'm not holding my breath on that front. But, you know, Capella is also, I guess, if you're going to look at it that way, if they really do want to commit to it, he's probably their best trade chip. Yeah. Um, you know, I would say he has positive value, but also I think other GMs are going to be spec- skeptical in terms of how much of Capella's value is because he plays with James Harden. How many lobs per game is James Harden uh, drawing a double team and throwing a pass to Capella because, you know, everyone's afraid of Harden shooting a 35-footer. Um, you know, it's not saying Capella can't play without it because I'm sure other people are going to throw him lobs too. But, uh, you know, I, I think there's an open question as to how valuable he could be. I'm not really sure why Atlanta is so interested in getting oh a center. Yeah, yeah I don't understand that at all. At all. Yeah, like, I think, honestly, you know, look, that team needs defense and they need a sort of a leader. I don't really think Capella is the kind of guy to do that. Mm-hmm. Capella is not, like, um, he's good on defense, but he's he's not necessarily a, a, an orchestrator, someone that can hold it down yeah. and anchor. Yeah. Um, and also, it just puts John Collins at power forward, which kind of takes him out of position, right? He's, he's, I think he's better, at least offensively, playing a five. So yeah. that one's confusing me. The Boston Celtics, I mean, 
well, whatever. They need a center. I mean, they can't roll into the playoffs with like Enos Cantor and and, Tice, and, and Tice, what's his name, Tice, Tice yeah. and Poirier and uh, you name them. Even I don't think Wanamaker. Be, I don't even know if Wanamaker's like an under undersized big guy. Clint won't be big, good for them either. I think like when you look at the bigs in the East, like. They're big guys. Like Horford, I think, Joel Embiid. I think Clint would be a good fit in Boston only because they really, really need that spot. They need so it. So he'll have a role Absolutely. cemented there. So I think from that perspective, he'll be a good fit there. But I think about money-wise, he's locked in for 72 mil over the next four years, including this one, obviously. But next year, 17 and a half. Year after, 18 and a half. Then 19 and a half. So he's not, he's not cheap. He's not peanuts. And you got guys on your roster that A. Campbell Walker's on your roster, Gordon Hayward's on your roster, Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum. Tatum. <laughs> Where does the money go? And you're oh. going to give your mo- you're going to tie your money up in Clint Capella? That, that does not make any sense. I mean, he's a great player, but for what he brings to the table, I don't know if I'd want to lose any of my wing guys at the expense of having him on my payroll. And, yeah. and well, you actually brought up that he was one of their bigger trade pieces and I don't know if that's like sad for the team because yeah. like he's not really that great of a trade piece because I'm looking at this and yeah. there's nothing really enticing to me as a roster as I'm not gonna lock my money up in a back to the back to the basket center up until mid twenty twenties you know like it, it's yeah. tough and I, he's guaranteed a lot of money so I don't know about that one but even for the Hawks it doesn't make sense financially like you're gonna have Trey Young and John Collins guys who are gonna need to be re-signed to probably. If not max, yeah. close to max deal. So you're gonna tie your money up in Clint Capella, and, you, like, and they're gonna they're gonna go after guys like Kevin Herter, like Cam yeah. Reddish, like young talent that yeah maybe right now they're not the greatest, but in in a situation where they could flourish and build your team, you never know, right? I I wouldn't want to give up youth for that, and like you said, well, like John Collins is a stud, and moving him to the five, and moving him to the four, and then putting a guy like Clint in the five just clogs up the lane and. It, it's not a good look for that team at all. So I, I don't see why the Hawks are doing it. It seems like a desperation move by another lottery team. But I'm surprised the Knicks aren't in the mix right now, to be honest. <laughs> the way the way this is all going, the Knicks are going to make a run Knicks for are, this. They're, they're adamant on keeping um, Marcus Morris. Yeah, yeah. Days. I don't know why. Like, But dream, they're entertaining that's big, trades. That's, that's a big lie. I feel like that's a lie. Yeah. It can't be. That one has to be a lie, man. Like, you know. <laughs> And teams always put out this like, yo, there's no way we'll part with. Uh, I hope so. You know, this guy, that guy, like Marcus Morrison. Really, that's you're fr- really not going to part with. That's him. the franchise you're right gonna, now. Like, you probably gonna... he is the franchise right now. That <laughs> franchise is ass. That is so, that is the best way to put it. Actually, yeah, exactly. <laughs> that's the best best way to put it. Um, another one in the trade tracker. Uh, we were talking about Zayden and I were talking off air earlier. We saw something about D'Lo being shopped. Um, so this came six months later than I thought it was. To be very, very honest with both of you guys, when it first came out that they acquired Delo, I was like, "Oh, this is this is gonna get flipped in the next two weeks." Like that they're doing some. There's a bigger scheme to this, and then they kept him and they played him, and I was very confused. And now it's come to light that they're looking to to shop Delo, uh, and teams like Minnesota are desperate enough to make that move. So, what do you think about the whole Delo things, Aid? Did you expect this? Do you like this? And where should he go or where could he go where he'd be a good fit? I mean, I said a couple of weeks, just trade D'Lo to the Timberwolves just so he can play with his boy, Cat, maybe get some chemistry, maybe get, maybe they can make a run. Not this year, obviously, but maybe next year. Cat, I think, is also not an all-star this year. No, he's so hopefully they he's both, having a miserable year. Hopefully they both have some sort of chips on their shoulders coming next year and, and, and if they were to get traded and play together. And then obviously I said you get D-Book later somehow, some way. I don't know how you make that work, but... Other than that, I mean, you can trade him. You can trade him to many teams. Many teams would love a scoring combo guard. Essentially, is what he is. But they're going to be 
he's gonna be traded to not, uh, another bad team in my opinion. I don't think a championship contender is necessarily going to need a D'Lo. If it is a championship contender, the money will be tough to make it work with that Definitely. current roster. I mean, like you think about obviously the Lakers. Lakers probably would love a scoring combo guard, but does that money work right? And then you have AD that you need to you need to resign at the end of the year. So the Lakers are in talks to get everybody on the market. They just want to get this one improve, improve, improve all the time, right? And they there are some pretty big holes on the Lakers. Like their supporting cast isn't the greatest, so that's why they're always looking to to get guys. But I mean, I think D'Lo has a lot of trade value, and I think the Golden State Warriors can get something really good for him. It's just a, it's just a matter of will D'Lo like the trade, but that's not up to him, right? So yeah. I think he can go to a lot of teams. I think they I think they've taken a while to shop him. It's been. I thought they were gonna flip him right away, like you said, like, yeah. but or at least play him a few games, get his value up, or show his value off. But you know, perfect time to trade him. Trade him right now. You're, you know, sell high and get some good pieces for him. Well, what do you think? Yeah, I mean, he's, you know, it's hit or miss with him. Like, I'm not entirely sure if he's like a clear cut star or if he's like closer to like a Zach Levine, where numbers are there, but it doesn't necessarily fully trans. Uh, translate to, to, to necessarily wins. Because if you look at it, it's like traditionally it hasn't been that efficient with his scoring. True shooting has been below average for four to five years. This year it's slightly above average, but it's mostly like at the average point. And also he's playing for a team that, again, nobody's taking the Warriors seriously nowadays. Um, but I think the Warriors, they will have a market. I think, he, you know, star players do retain their value, especially guys who are super young. Like Russell's 23, 24 years old right now. Um, you know, it's it's not like he's going to decline in terms of his skill set, and and really, it's for the Warriors. It's just they got to find the right time to get rid of him when his value is the highest. So I don't know necessarily you need to do it at the deadline. If Minnesota was like super desperate, and they might be desperate, like Carl Anthony Towns hasn't won a game since November. It's it's February. That that's like the craziest stat out there right now. Yeah, um, in November since November. Yeah, I saw that. Yeah, yeah. Kendrick Perkins retweeted that. That's a, that's actually well, how I saw that. I was very very surprised at that. Just think about Car Anthony Towns' year this year, right? Like he gets put in a headlock after getting <laughs> after after fighting Joel Embiid, he gets put in a headlock by Ben Simmons, uh, and then after that, you know, Lizzo thirsts after him publicly at the <laughs> Laker game, and then he hasn't won a game in like three months. Yeah. Like it's yeah, it's, that's tough. It's, it's a tough year for him. It's a bad look. Um, no, nah, it's just it's unfortunate. But you know, um, if they were a little bit closer to the playoffs, I could see them the the, the you know the Timberwolves being more desperate. But even so, they don't have that much to give. No. And, um, you know, so I think, to be honest, if I had to guess, I'm probably thinking that they trade D'Angelo in the offseason when you have more teams with more flexibility. Because, you know, trade deadline is not necessarily the time to maximize right. value yeah. on a guy who you have full control over. Yeah. And from Minnesota's perspective, I think the only player there they can really offer in the market would be Robert Covington. Uh, that's probably the only yeah. guy. I don't even think Wiggins has much value right now with the way he's stinking up the joint and making all that money. I don't know yep. that he strikes any yeah. any buyers. Uh, and then the last thing, I don't know if any of you guys saw this, but I did see hints of this on Twitter. Uh, Andre Iguodala for a Norm Powell. Wow. I don't know if this is a, a real thing or just some, like, fantasy Raptors account that I saw. But, I mean, we have a Raptors reporter on site here. So have you heard anything about this? Like, is this a real thing? Nah, this is something someone just made up online to sort of like, you know, this time of the year, people start trying to like, not necessarily make fake trades, it's just sort of like workshop what could be possible and speculate, but it's literally just somebody on ESPN trade machine 
just playing around. That doesn't make any sense to me. It does not make as any I, sense. I, I do, however, think Iggy has some value to bring to a team yeah, yeah, yeah. that could be no, there. Definitely. Yeah. Definitely. But, you know, Iggy's basically, uh, it's, first off, this is a player empowerment at its finest right now, to be honest. This might be going too far because he, he's getting paid, like, what, $17 million this year? He's just chilling at home. He's saying, like, screw the Grizzlies. I'm yeah. not going to play for you. For, <laughs> for, for what great reason, really? Like, it's not like the Grizzlies are that bad you know they're uh, they have john moran they've been playing good basketball of late they're, they're potentially chasing the ac like it's not like the end of the world yeah. we're not asking you to play on like the golden state warriors or something like that right now or the cleveland cavaliers um and he's just sitting out but i i think he's really going to strong arm his way into one of the laker teams or one of the la teams yeah well that's the lakers or the clippers and, and you know to your point like I, I think people are underrating Iggy. a lot of people are like well you know he sat out the whole year what can he realistically bring he's not that good I mean, I'm just saying, man, like my last time I saw Iggy play basketball, he had as many points as Kawhi Leonard in the game six of the NBA Finals. Yeah. Like he could, there's still something left in that game. Yeah. And, and you Absolutely. Know, he could still give you something for sure defensively. Like he even gave Kawhi real problems defensively in the NBA Finals. Like, that's not me making it up. No, absolutely. You're right. And one of the main things I always say this about when, I, when people ask me, like, what do you think um, – is the main reason for guys like Freddie, guys like Pascal, Norm, taking that leap, OG even, taking that leap from last year to this year, taking over the team. And I always say, like, a big part of it is playing with guys like Kawhi Leonard, like Danny Green, who are veterans, because not just their on-court presence, but what they bring off the court. And that's something that Iggy is, like, invaluable in that sense where he's been to the finals. He's won three championships. He's, finals MVP. He's got the finals MVP. Like, he's made a lot of great runs in his career. He's played a lot of great basketball with a great lot of players. great players. He has a lot of value he can bring to the table. Imagine him mentoring younger guys or bringing defensive intensity to, to a team. Like, I would definitely, if it worked out somehow, love to see him in a Raptors uniform. I think yeah. what he could bring to our team, and we mm-hmm. talked about this in the beginning, um, can this guy play Dwayne Casey defense? And absolutely, Iguodala. Wow, I'm so oh, sorry. You miss him, don't you? Jeez. I don't miss him, actually. <laughs> I was just talking about how I I Despise bask him. in his misery, and I'm happy that he's losing in Detroit. But we, <laughs> we're talking about the Nick. My man asked, you're asking if Andre Iguodala could pound that rocket? <laughs> Cut it out, man. Cut it out. The guy's losing games. Nick Nurse oh, defense. Yeah, the so that's a, that's a guy that can – Play that Nick Nurse defense, the championship defense, and then some. So, mm. I mean, it's I would love to see him in a Raptors uniform. I'd love to see him play just because he can bring a lot of value uh, to a roster. And uh, one more thing I wanted to ask you. Well, so you had an article that came out today. Um, if you guys are interested, in, by the way, in finding any of Will's content, it is on Yahoo Sports. Uh, so just William Liu, like the opposite of the guy who I'm won Lou six men uh, <laughs> <laughs> off the bench. Drop the S. <laughs> Um, but in your um, in your point today was the ten things from the game yesterday. Yeah. In your fourth point, you said um, Thaddeus Young had played Siakam well, kept him from getting to the rim. Uh, but Siakam had hit those three uh, turnaround jumpers, and it's funny you point that out because as I was watching this, he hit the first one. I was like, mm. okay, this kind of looked like like an accident kind of thing. Like his arms, I don't know, it looked it looked weird. And then he hit it again, and I was like, okay, well that. That's weird. And then he hit it the third time. I'm like, is this something that he's working on that he's now starting to implement in-game? Because if he can develop a shot where he builds that separation and he rises up over his defender and he becomes consistent with that, on top of that, his spin move, I don't know who is going to be able to stop this dude. So I definitely like the point you made, but 
what was your biggest surprise or was it just him taking it or the ability of him making it I think more than anything else, um, it, it's, it, it is obviously him making it. If you miss the shot, you're probably not going to be talked about that much. But um, I, I think it's the comfort in which he took that shot. Like, it looked smooth. It didn't look like he was he was in a desperation situation and he just had to, like, throw one up there and it, and it fell in. Like, it was one of those situations. Like, it was a coordinated um, effort. He saw how Thad was playing him. He saw that he was playing him physical, trying to take away the rim. And so he knew that he could spin and get to that fadeaway. Um, and the footwork looked good. The arc of the shot looks good. Um, it's not, I mean, it's not a surprise necessarily because he's been kind of taking those types of shots yeah. all year. And it, it's a little counterintuitive in a sense because, you know, you don't necessarily want someone to be taking more inefficient shots per se. But at the same time, when you become the number one option, like it, it does change um, the calculus of what you have to do. Like last year, Pascal Siakam took about, I don't know, man, like seven or eight percent of his shots from the mid-range area. Mm-hmm. It, it wasn't that much. And this year, it's up to about 17. Jeez. Now, you would say, like, that's probably why his efficiency is down a little bit, you know, if you look at his field goal percentage. But I think it's also smart because in the time of the playoffs, you're going to have to hit some of these shots. Yeah. I, I think, um, you know, we saw with Kawhi, one of the reasons he was so unstoppable because he'll score at every single level. He'll create for himself. Uh, and and you, whether you give him the mid range, he'll score that three point shot. He'll score that. You can go to the rim, he'll dunk on you too. And, yep. and Pascal can go to the rim right now. There's no no doubt about that. Uh, and even the three point shot, you know, we saw him hit the corner threes last year, but this year he's sort of hitting a couple of pull up uh, threes. We saw that in the uh, in the Piston game in the first quarter. He just hit like two back to back pull up threes. Yeah, and it's like. You're like, whoa, that's 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 pretty wild that he's doing that. But you have to put it into context with the fact that last year he basically didn't have any of the stuff in his game. So for him to do that and even have any sort of success with it, let alone the fact that he's actually been pretty good at pulling up for three, at you know creating shots from the mid range with that turnaround jumper, things like that. Um, it, it's just it's it's just smart on his part because he, the Raptors are going to need that from him in the playoffs. There are going to be times where you're going to need a tough bucket. And so he's almost treating it the way Kawhi's treating it, in the sense that it's it's 82 practices. You want to use the regular season to better yourself come time for the playoffs. Uh, and Pascal is going to have more on his shoulders than pretty much everyone else on the roster. So I, I really don't, um, I really don't mind, and it's really encouraging that he's that he's taking, he's making some of these shots. And just last point, you, he also developed essentially a go-to move in that little post spin that he always does. Somehow. Some way mm-hmm. has not made the scattering report. That's like his go-to move. He does it maybe three or four times a game, and it seems like it's unguardable because it's the same thing: one, yeah. one dribble, two dribble, fake, turn around the opposite yeah. way, go baseline. Usually, it's, it's the space between when he fills up that defender and yeah. the spin. That's a very, very tiny time window. So exactly. right when he feel, he does a great job of that too. And it's you mentioned obviously the scouting report like we know you're joking but that you goes it's a it. testament to the move yeah. right obviously these guys are in they're in the nba there's definitely scouting reports against this move and mm-hmm. there are definitely guys who are expecting it, but right when he feels you on a certain side he's yeah. spinning opposite and his spin is so quick yeah he's just got to get a little better at finishing more aggressively at the rim i think he's taken such a big leap that we expect so much of him yeah we expect him to be like a damian lillard kind of guy to be you know gritty and and you know consistently like that but he's made such a big leap that it's all, we're almost spoiled to be watching yeah. this like yeah. yeah we are man yeah. and it's year one of what he's doing exactly. too. And when you know uh he's shown improvement year after year and that's why i'm like excited to see like even if he fails in the playoffs i i, I you know i think it'd be a great learning experience he needs that i think yeah, for, for sure. sure. Now, before uh, before I let you go, well, I'm one of my boys. His name is Mark. He's a longtime fan of yours. 
wanted me okay. to tell you to let us know next time you're hanging out at the OVO Center because he's trying to catch a practice. So, uh, <laughs> okay, <laughs> I told him I'd let you know for sure. But, uh, well, thanks so much for joining us, man. It, it was super cool to go back and forth with you on this, and uh, you've been one of my more interesting Twitter follows, and and definitely an interesting uh, conversation yeah. to be had here. So we appreciate you coming on, man, and uh, thanks thanks for the love. Yeah, thanks so much for having me, man. Yeah, no worries. And guys, we'll be coming out uh, Apple Podcasts. Uh, Spotify, Spotify. Uh, you know where to find us. So check us out, and uh, we'll be back at you uh, later this week. Actually, yep. Mm-hmm.